0: Hey I hope you're keeping well I'm Brian Moylet former rugby player now mindset and performance coach and welcome to the pod this podcast is about well-being and high performance and in it you will learn how you can be happier more fulfilled and more successful I recently wrote the book on how you become a pro rugby player forward by Robbie Henshaw which went to number one in the charts and you can get this now on Amazon and Audible with the links in the show notes Please connect me now over on social media at Brian Moylet and at Offfield Rugby. If you enjoyed the pod, please subscribe to it, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening now, and also you can send it on to some friends. Would really appreciate that. Alright, we'll get into today's episode. Cheers. Hey, hope you're keeping well. I am sitting with Shane Fletcher, Crusaders manager in Rugby Park, having a coffee, and uh, yeah, good to be chatting. Always good to catch up, mate. Always good. Cheers. So how has the season been?
1: Uh, yeah, 2023. Again, be remembered, uh, seventh title in a row and 14th title, I guess, out of what 27 years of existence. So reflection-wise, um, been really successful. Uh, and then when you kind of pick it apart, um, I think we're like any performance environment where uh, we had some challenges that we needed to overcome and uh, just the way that... We tend to operate and approach those challenges. Uh, we managed to get some great outcomes, and you know had fantastic people involved in all spheres of, of the performance. And uh, yeah, had a heck of a final, um, you know, against the Chiefs up there. Uh, you know, one one of the special ones.
0: Yeah, it was unreal. And it was some of the challenges, what the injuries being won.
1: Yeah, interesting around mindset in that. Um, we've got a a group that obviously trusts each other implicitly and and a big part of that is either is the, the people who are injured but also uh, our ability to <clears throat> I guess support and and um, cater for the for the void of injury you know the rehab process and and also the prepared player coming into that space and uh, again we had some guys that put their hands up probably didn't think they were going to get an opportunity and it uh, yeah, took took The chance and and contributed really well. So, again, adversity's a bit of a mindset at times, and um, I think when you look at it as an opportunity, then it gives you a chance to bring energy, and and that's kind of what came through. So, you know, again, there were there was all sorts of of uh, performance challenges, injury, one, you know, logistics around travel, our game not quite right with form, etc. You know, the final being that classic example of probably our rugby wasn't winning the game and then uh, you know 25 minutes to go you know we sort of looked at each other and said right we're going to find another way and and you know it was that sense of care and connection that got us over the line in the end.
0: Yeah and do you ever, is there ever a difficulty with you know the like challenge and threat so like you mentioned just challenges but seeing it as a challenge or as a threat and with players heads dropping?
1: Yeah, really interesting one, isn't it? Because you could kind of bite into leadership a wee bit as well there. Um, mindset's an incredible thing, as you know from your experiences, and and uh, you know that whole what is what is uh, your view on a situation, and you know that old ro- rose tinted glasses or you know glass half full, half empty sort of mindset. You know, so many so many discussions on it. Um, but a lot of us look at adversity uh, you know, seeing a consequence as being a negative thing whereas actually in adversity there is consequences but a lot of the times you know as I've said there's true advantage in them and true opportunity. So groups that actually almost get energized by a challenge um, tend to come out on top a lot of the times and you know we're a great example of that in 2023 but also you know that that's just been right through. Um, my time here at Crusaders every year there seems to be something that we need to overcome and when you talk to others they see that as a potential reason to, to withdraw energy from the group whereas we've always seemed to have gone about it that we've generated energy and you know the seven titles over those seven years is is probably an indicator that it's, it's not a bad approach.
0: Yeah 100% and the last one we chatted, I got a lot of good feedback about uh, when you were talking about the themes, so do you want to chat a bit about this year's one?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a you know, great discussion last time, and and probably went through it in, in a little bit more uh, micro detail, but realistically, all the theme is doing is, is setting a vision, a, a kaupapa, or a, a, a giving you a purpose, and it, it defines your why, so you know we looked at... Uh, the conceptual relevance into our context. You know, as we were talking about 2017 with Ali having not won a title for uh, the same period as the Crusaders hadn't won a title, that was uh, the conceptual connection. And then to put it into our context, we grabbed the concepts of his preparation to perform, um, his ethic in performance, his understanding of, of the environment he was performing in, and also the contest that he was in and that drove parts of our game and I think as we said last time it meant that in a rugby saturation um, environment then we could have non-rugby relevance and that drove us and gave us that little bit of of extra energy um, on on the edge that others tend to lose. So this year we were looking at a seventh title so uh, in, in a row which again when you're looking at uh, individuals or groups around the world in a sporting context where they could win a title, it's really, really hard uh to find uh common yeah. um performances like that and 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 you know consistent accolades of, of winning titles. So we we talked about um just the fact that we wanted to build on our legacy and and um talked about kind of striving towards a, like a seventh heaven tag but but it was more uh, the energy that it was going to take us to get into that sort of spiritual world of, of dominance. Um, so, you know, each week we, uh, we gave an award after a game for Best On Park, which was our mania award. And in multi culture, I did a bit of research and uh, the mania is the guardian of the spiritual journey between physical earth and, and um, the spiritual world. And uh, that fitted just so well to us because of the fact that the person who was putting in the greatest performance was protecting the team through their effort, as we you know, sought um, to 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 grow our dominance, I guess. And the dominance is a you know bit of a tag around um, being remembered and revered for being so thorough versus the fact that actually you know a dominant. Um, physical performance or, or a, a psychological performance even though they were threaded through it uh, and then um, yeah we had uh, other awards that were, were connected to the effort component and, and you know the effort of, of um, connecting the group uh, and probably delivering a real care factor even though you're a little bit unnoticed uh, across a week um, that was another way that we could kind of trigger towards uh, you know our, our ascension, I guess, if we could, um, and and being renowned as you know, leaving a legacy of of I guess you know it sounds a little bit corny, but a little bit of greatness, um, and we're obviously wanting to to continue to grow that because of the fact that our ability to focus on that vision um, allows us then to you know tag the how the the skill set the rugby stuff um, and our on grass awareness and capability here at Rugby Park is far stronger than um probably the credibility we give ourselves as to how well we do off the park. And uh, you know, there's a real ownership of uh from the group there it's means that we 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 really care and, and spend a lot of time connecting off the grass and and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm.
0: Connecting, getting to know each other and that sort of
1: thing. Yeah, it, it is. It's around, and it's not a force thing. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's purely in the fact that, that it's, you, it's kind of an investment thing. You have got you get a true interest uh, in an investment and it generates outcomes. You know, we all do that if we manage to get a, a little bit of money to, to pop away into the bank. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, we don't often consider the fact that it's so similar to us investing in, in each other and, and uh, when you when you feel you belong to something, um and and you know you take anybody uh that's in that high functioning family environment that there's just that sense of of home that sense of care that sense of family there's no better place to be because you feel safe to be the best version of yourself
0: yeah that's so 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 important isn't it like if I am think back whenever I played my best rugby it was when yeah you felt like you belonged and somewhat not to say your place was guaranteed but that the coach trusted you and the coach wanted you and you know it wasn't a case where sometimes you'd be in a a rep environment or something where it's like will i be in this week out the next week and you're just you're on tender hooks a bit whereas when you have that like you belong yeah and you're you're comfortable and i think the the stress there's you know the stress hormones go down you know there's not that stress and you can relax and then you can truly be your best self
1: Interesting one, isn't it? We you know talk about imposter syndrome, or mm. there, there's something there where you come into an environment and you believe uh, you haven't got the tools to be there. So again, it's an empowerment thing. Who gets alongside you and looks to empower? Uh, it's you know fascinating that uh, you know, we often refer to the best rugby team we've been in, but any connection that we've had. You know, I remember the best teacher at school, best class mm. I was in. Uh, you know so many other you know you remember your job environment you know I love being part of this environment here because of the collective and and it's the collective that operates in such a collaborative form that there's a true sense of of family even though as I say it sounds a bit corny but then if if you got into what is the best version of team um, team as a concept is a lot of the times, quite different to a, a team as as a physical gathering. You know, there's a lot of environments where you'll get. You know, for, for instance, we've got 38 contracted players here, but so is everybody else in our uh, competition. But what gives you that edge is is that that sense of of belonging and collaboration. Uh, interesting, you know, around often we'll try and replicate a, a high-performance environment and and try to be like them. Mm. Uh, so we try to be high-performance like the Crusaders, for instance, but actually without considering what's our performance in our environment. So, you know, it, the environments that you've been involved in in rugby, when they understand themselves and understand the ingredients that make them uh, capable of being their best versions, uh, then once they understand that, mix of ingredients then you can build your own high performance and that's generally when you allow yourself in moments to bump into the elite performance factor that you need to to win titles
0: yeah so it's what you're saying there is yeah like you have to understand your group and your environment and yes you can learn something from elsewhere that could influence the way you do something within your environment but you can't just take and put it into your environment Per se, oh, absolutely.
1: But but it's so correlative. I it, it was over in the, the US recently, and, and uh, coaching coaches, coaching players, working with clubs, uh, working with businesses, bizarrely, and uh, just around culture, performance, leadership, and uh, it was all just morphing off the rugby club conversations that we have here, uh, reasonably consistently, because you know being part of NZ DNA. Um, versus over in America they've got this awareness but also they've got um, a real base of people who have got a true passion for rugby mm. and it's almost a simmering beast but the challenge is they don't know where they're actually moving towards and that's their greatest restriction. But one of the, the collisions that I had was a guy that was in uh, a coaching session where we were talking about um, vision and we weren't talking about specific rugby skill sets And he said, oh, actually, this would be a fantastic message um, for my environment. And I said, OK, so what do you do? And he was the commander of a Special Forces SWAT team. Oh, wow. And he said, I'd love for you to come and talk to our unit, Uh, 25 uh, individuals uh, that were hugely collaborative. And uh, I was, oh, no, here we go. How do I relate this Uh, in in a conversation, because I said to him, how long do you want me to come and talk for? He said, oh, 45 minutes would be great. And as as you know, I do like to talk, but uh, I was thinking 45 minutes with this group uh, on the back of all they'd been told was meet in the briefing room at 11 o'clock, we've got someone coming in to talk to us. They had no idea about rugby, they had no idea who the Crusaders were, so really me standing at the front didn't mean a thing to them. So we started off... Uh, where We'd put together an Instagram post which was a summary of our um, performance in the final. So we got on the bus at the hotel, we departed, we went um, to the ground We in performance, uh, managed to be successful, came back to the hotel and that was basically the gist of, of the video. And they had just been that morning to extract someone out of a situation that uh, the FBI had involved them with in the DIA. So when I said to them, okay, if this was a video about uh, your performance this morning, how would it be different? And this had come from the fact that as they came in, a couple of them leant against the wall, folded their arms, leant back and kind of looked at me like, who the hell are you and what are you going to tell us? And then when I got them to uh, have those conversations about preparation, uh, they were preparing, uh, organising themselves, organising their skill set, but organising their mindset to go into a situation where there was potentially chaos, but it had structure in the chaos. There was stuff that they would know uh, existed, but with all the, the noise, the, the pressure, um, the, the 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 lights, the sounds, the potential of weapons, uh, they were going into this chaos and didn't really know. So their ability to actually go and stay calm under pressure, perform, ask them what success might look like, and then to come back and be successful, all of a sudden the guys that were leaning against the wall started to sit up because they could see a consistency in the two groups and how we actually performed but then I said the fascination for me is we talk about pressure and sports performance for you you point a weapon at somebody and in a moment you make a decision whether they live or they die and a lot of that decision-making and the pressure on that moment is driven by the fact that if I hesitate making that decision I could live or I could die so again the fascinating conversation that we had and it went from being a 45 minute to after an hour and a half I said to you know basically had to shut it down because you know I, I, I was moving on and but they were so engaged and the the whole correlation and crossovers of uh, environmental function team function uh you know un- unbelievable links so yeah fascinating
0: yeah unreal unreal that's class that uh, is incredible
1: They, uh, A wee bit further, they then asked would we sit in on a training session, so they said to me, right, we've mocked up a building. They'd shown us all their weapons that they had in Man Alive, that is unbelievable, don't be a bad guy over there. And um, they asked us to sit in a room, Uh, so I walked in, sat on a chair, uh, and then there was a mock building set up. So we were, say, in the kitchen, and then, you know... Four of them came in with uh, weapons and they walked through and cleared the building and there were pictures of of people with a gun and they'd they'd come around the corner, point their weapon. If they saw that, they'd put a couple of rounds into that. Even came in, pointed the gun at us, made a decision. So there was myself and another guy that was was travelling around as well Uh, and then asked for feedback. And of course, it was non-verbal communication. They were needing... In that situation if any one of those four who functioned as a, a small team if any one of those four was deficient say they gun locked uh, or something you know they tripped or whatever it is the other three had to respond in a way that uh the void of performance was was covered mm. and you know again what a fascinating conversation to have around you know how our days are structured how our teams perform how You know how our our practices are are considered and structured. You know whatever it is, but when you kind of break it down to that, you just go, "Oh wow, we're in a really uh, complex environment that can be so simple because
0: it is so 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 complex." So yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and was there anything you know you took from that that you're just like, "Wow, that was interesting or learning or anything." from that day
1: communication incredible because of the fact they talked about the fact that a lot of their uh operations were done in the dark and so it was night vision and they said they often were in the room with the perp with the bad person and that person didn't know they were in the room with them and it was their ability to move in that environment and respond to each other Uh, in a, in a, the concept of, of that response into our environment, you know, the, and this is where I, I still believe we've got so much potential in our learning for our uh, our playing group, our coaching group, our analytical group, our, our medical group, our logistics group to actually understand that we're in the room together in the dark sometimes and we need to respond in that, you know, a nonverbal sense mm. where, you know, um, we get the best collaborative performance and you know what binds that is something that that still fascinates and as part of the learning as we move forward
0: yeah it's like you have to be connected to each other and in sync with each other and pick up on idiosyncrasies that others do around you and in in say what you just mentioned there with the different staff but then also within a team and I was just thinking like once again when I was just playing in teams I was in sync with like you could just look at the air like if there was space in behind you could you could point you know catch the eye of the nine coming towards the rock and then point or at at the 10 and or give them a look or give them eyes and they could do a skip ball because you gave them certain eyes or you you just darted your head forward an inch to nod and that's obviously that takes time but it's funny because it's a big one when I'm coaching like all communication like you know level one people are like sometimes people don't know what to say and as so well there's different levels but yeah it's it's incredible when you can build those relationships and that kind of synchronicity or that sync with the players around you and just get on the same wavelength
1: to me that's just culture isn't it you know like yeah. a, 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 when you've got an outcome where you're in performance and there's just a rhythm Mm. Uh, and that rhythm is is physiological, but also psychological as well. And it's interesting, often as coaches or as as management staff, we suppress that ability because we yes. try to keep it within our understanding yes. or the confines of what we want, not what our group needs. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, Wellington in the NPC currently, apart from Hawke's Bay, obviously they have had a glitch. And it'll be fascinating uh, psychologically where they are because Hawke's Bay know they can beat Wellington. Whereas Wellington had that rhythm early on. They just found ways to win. And it wasn't classic rugby, but it was rugby that they just worked off each other. They knew they were under pressure. They just found a way. And whether it was, you know, three points, seven points, whatever it was, they just found a way to win. And we've all been in teams like that, where sometimes opposition in the last 20 minutes, they have an expectation That that will occur. You know, when we play the Blues, it seems to be that they have an expectation at some stage across the time period, we're going to come at them and dominate them. And that is a really hard thing, uh, the physiological side of it, because often we'll train them harder for a situation like that rather than to get them to understand the situation. So therefore, it's the emotive response uh, that then allows me to, to physically respond because I'm an athlete not me individually, but uh, you know the groups we work with and uh, when you see that happen you just go oh yeah wow, we're connected, we've got something special and you know as I say that's the thing that I think sometimes we take for granted here or we believe it's it's an individual that does it or you know we talk about a coach whereas you know we've got a collaborative uh, opportunity in in that type of performance. Our leadership is threaded right through the group for instance. yeah we just seem to be finding those ways to to stay successful at the moment and because we are then we put ourselves in positions to to win titles
0: yeah it's so true it's class what you say but yeah finding a way to win and it's what England are doing the World Cup now like they've been they've been pretty crap and they'd probably say it themselves like you know and then against Argentina just man down just found a way to win like just kicking playing possession playing you know smart and and they've done that the next few games and uh, yeah, it's it's a huge, you know, people, you look at tactics, strategies, players, but that's something that's kind of on a different level, isn't it? That finding a way to win, because there's some things nearly, you kind of can't prepare for, okay, you can prepare for, you know, everything, but then there's, there's ways that when you're in a game, just that now, so that you have to think on your feet and problem solve on your feet.
1: And it's fascinating isn't it, around the fact that as coaches, we often will uh, try and coach performance, but actually, how do you coach effort? Mm. How do you coach care? How do you coach belonging? How do you coach all of those attributes that if you've got in your group, man alive, you can achieve yeah. anything. But often we try to either we either try to coach it. We don't look to empower it, and because we we try and address it in isolation then it's never authentically threaded through us so when you come into that moment when you truly need each other you don't know what true authentic uh team is in that setting and and that's why there's a subtle disconnect and yeah you know as i say that's why teams don't seem to be as successful or win win the games that you kind of hope that they that they would
0: yeah that's exactly it isn't it It's it's. What you just yeah, what you just said there are the times when it's like a good team and they just they kind of fall apart a little bit, or a team that you think are lesser just kick on, and it's like what you know to other other people watching, it, you kind of think what, well, but that's exactly the mm-hmm. why it happens.
1: I've I've been sharing a little bit just in some of the the conversations that I've been having that you know we're so similar to the relationship of a golfer and a caddy, and you know you you take uh, going to number seventeen. Green at Sawgrass, where you know, island green, massive consequence around water, uh, but a huge green, so a huge chance to be successful, and success in that moment, I guess, is getting the ability for the ball to stop on the green and not go in the water. So we try to avoid consequence, and then when you put the metaphor of the crowd into play, so the whole place is surrounded by expectation or or a sense of of performance and. A big part of the crowd hope that the performance is that you'll make an error mm. and they'll get a bit of a laugh at it. Yeah. Uh, there's another huge part of the crowd that will understand what it takes to be successful and pop it on the green. So as the golfer, if you're in form, you're in rhythm, you know, you're know you hitting your iron sweetly, you know uh, the influences that are around. If you just trust your process, the outcome looks after itself. And so in that instance, when you're swinging like that, you know, uh, if that's your team or an individual player, what's your role as a caddy? And so if you understand what input you need to have, you know, really it's just a well-being, it's going well, you know, this subtle tool, you're just starting to something in your swing, whatever it is, a subtle technique. Uh, Change, but then also there's there's times when uh, you get to that green, you hit one in the water. What's your interaction from as as a coach, as a caddy, then with the group or the individual? But then also, what we need to consider is that often as coaches, we are the golfer. So actually, who's your caddy? Who who is in that instance supporting you, and what do you need from them? So you know, in all of those different determining factors, when you look at uh, that functional performance uh, in in those two contexts then you know there's a hell of a lot of learning in that
0: yeah absolutely yeah and you have to kind of get out of your head and be in your body and in the moment and connected to yeah that golfer that person and something you know I think coaches and myself in the past but you get a bit carried away in the game and you get caught up in the game and then you can't be you can't notice those little, you know, minor things that is what you're saying.
1: Or, or as, as the caddy, the coach, you get anxious about the setting mm. and the situation. You look at things in the crowd and notice them and the golfer doesn't. So you'll try and change their swing. Yeah. And then it's, well, hold on, you know, you completely throw the performance and you you, you blame the golfer versus the fact that actually I need to have a good look at at. You know my interactions, my um, my view of of contribution and support. You know what what is it? What is my content? What is my delivery style? You know all those sort of things that uh, if you understand that when there's a, a, a rhythm or a smooth process that's understood, then you've got a real chance of landing on the green and and you know being in that moment of success. And then you might put you might put the putt in for a birdie and win a title, or you might two putt and still be a year away from winning the title. But, you know, yeah, fascinating. Mm.
0: Hey, Brian here. I work one-on-one with rugby players, helping them perform better on the field, enjoy it more, and maximise their careers. If you feel like there's more in you and don't want to have regrets down the line, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation, and the link is in the show notes. On the call, you talk to me about where you're at now, what you would like to achieve, and I'll show you how I can help you get there. You then go off and decide if you want to invest in yourself and move forward with the one-on-one coaching. For teams, I do mental skills sessions over Zoom. Players will have mindset shifts on the call, but also they'll get exercises to practice going forward, so it's like an s program, but for your mental strength. If you're a coach or manager of a team, you can book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation now as well on offfieldrugby.com. If you have any other questions, you can get in touch with me through my social media at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby, or the website offfieldrugby.com. All right, cheers. We'll get back into today's episode yeah it's, it's, that's class I love what you're saying there and it's like yeah the coach has to you have to understand your energy have awareness of your energy at at all times and like when you're when you're meeting the team awareness of your energy and because I heard oh Bobby Robson do you know a Newcastle mm-hmm. yeah Newcastle mm-hmm. coach he was saying like oh, I watched Netflix thing years, or a couple of years ago but he was saying yeah that he sets the energy of the environment and he has to you know there's times when it's challenging the, but he has to yeah bring the energy t- um, often and yeah during games as well if I heard this one um, Phil Jackson the last dance that Dennis Rodman used to be going berserk on the field and Phil on the court and Phil realised that when he was agitated and going up and pay something down the sideline Dennis would do the same and lose his head so Phil had to um, calm himself and I had another conversation last week on the podcast but Around neurodiversity mm-hmm. and so Dennis Rodman is obviously neurodiverse and 40% of people are but neurodiverse people can get what kind of caught up in in the environment we'll mm-hmm. say and um, and so other people can help them be calm so what Phil Jackson was saying uh, saying in that and what you were saying there that yeah, for 40% of people, your calm energy or your positive energy can hugely influence and impact certain people. Oh, it,
1: it, I love it, you know, the whole filter factor. Mm. Um, you know, in our environment, uh, we're wired up. <clears throat> um, some of the, the anxiety, et cetera, from um, the coaching group, for instance, when they're upstairs, you know, it comes down through filters uh, to us to pass on messages. And, uh, you know, again, there's been situations where I've, I've seen, you know, um, and heard, not necessarily with us, but with others, uh, where, you know, a coach has said, you know, so and so's going on, uh, tell them this, tell them that, tell them that, tell them this, tell them that, and then when I've heard the message be passed on, uh, the and this was through a senior player, so Samuel Wallach had the, the earphones on, um, and... <laughs> Samuel looked at the player and said he said get out there and get stuck in <laughs> you <Yeah>. know and <laughs> and then it was a message passed on but that was the intent of the yeah. coach but the anxiety of the situation uh, could have easily been transferred um, uh, probably a situation we were in Fiji last year and uh, with the drawer and, and 79 minute 79th minute Ferg that conversion over from the sideline put us one point ahead. Yeah. And then suddenly the messages got really, you know, about the kick-off, shorten it up, shorten it up, the kick short. And and there's messages being yelled from the sideline at the players. Players sort of looking around, they shortened up. drawer put the kick a little bit deeper. And Noah Hotham wasn't in position to cover that stri- didn't quite get there lost the ball forward they got a scrum and as circumstance turned out uh, we gave away a penalty they kicked it we lost the game so again it was one you know classic of you know we we had a rhythm uh, the boys had been really empowered through the week because our coaches do a great job of that and then we just had a little bit of doubt about the sit- setting in the situation and uh, you know transferred anxiety it's a, it's a tough one um in in a, in the moment that it's given, because of the fact that we're going well, hang on, I know there's a tone of anxiety. What are the causes? So we often look around for the cause, um, versus the fact that actually go right. We'll listen to the message. Yeah, and
0: just learning moments. Then aren't yeah, they? absolutely,
1: yeah. and and we'll be better from that. And you, uh, you know, it was, well, conversations with the players were around exactly that. We just needed a slightly better filter and and know that you know how we are set we're we're going okay.
0: Yeah, mm. um, going back a bit as we were chatting beforehand. So I don't think I've mentioned, but yeah, I have a new co- new um, role as a head coach. And we were chatting about all oh, different things, and so I suppose a question to you: if you were to, and I know loads of people listening will be coaches, but if you were to move into a team, your head coach, say I don't know, club team or whatever team, and you're the head coach, what would be the first thing? So you just Got the job and you're rocking up. What, 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 How would you go about it? What would you do? You've a month or two till season starts. What, what would you do? Um, probably three Ps around. You
1: know, first one is the, the people. Make sure you get to know the people, the person. Um, because uh, you know, when I go in there, the fact that it's that collaborative piece that will give us the greatest reward. Uh, because of the fact that actually, if we haven't got a sense of enjoyment or connection or collaboration, then we'll struggle to actually. Be a team, and then work on the player. So that's when it's around individual skill set, game information. Uh, not getting too hung up on the way that we're looking to play the game necessarily, but it would be getting a gauge of of um, if you were to say, uh, you know, what would a statement be about playing rugby when you feel you're at your best, and the people would be telling you that. But a lot of that would be about who they are, uh, and then as you work that out, so you are defining your why. You'll be working out a purpose. You'll be working out a a, a, a connection thread. You know what's the DNA of the group. What's the whakapapa, papa? Where have they come from? Um, what what experiences have they had? And then uh, you know you've got that opportunity for the third P is to be more professional, and that's when you can get in and and make sure that when you are on, you are on. I guess you know Mm. as we've heard consistently you don't have to be paid to be professional Mm. you know your your actions and your words and your practices and your processes can all be highly professional but what is that and it's not oh we're paid for it that's the only reason it makes them professional when they're described like that it's because of the level that they function at Um, I'm going over to speak at the West Coast Sports Awards uh, this weekend and Back in 94, w- uh, 95, we were invited to play rugby over there for the representative side, just the first group they were coming in. I went into an environment and they'd lost 40 games in a row, and right. I asked who in the representative environment had played for a winning West Coast side. One person put their hand up. So all they knew was, was their sense of dysfunction, and they were so worried, I guess, about um, losing as an outcome that they had forgotten the ingredients to win. And so we kind of entered into just a little bit of banter, really. It wasn't a lot about what we bought rugby-wise. It was a lot of what we bought more about um, understanding who they were as people and kind of the why, and they brought back the enjoyment. And, you know, it was three, four weeks later, we had two really narrow losses, and then we had a win. And the the catalyst to that was more about the people than it was about the game that they were playing, the, the style of rugby. But because the people felt engaged then you know it meant their performances were elevated so as I say there's a lot of learning in that if I was a coach going into an environment I certainly wouldn't go in there and tell them
0: this is the style of rugby that I want you to play yeah 100% 100% class and it's yeah I think and I certainly did when I started out coaching I thought that's what it was you know like that's you know 10 years where I was like oh you put in a game plan and you you show them how to do it and yeah maybe you get their you get their ideas or whatever and but yeah the players have so much understanding and knowledge and I think you know just thinking about I guess say underage coaches you know message me from the podcast and stuff and whatever and it's it's the same at those levels too because I remember when I was 15 playing rugby or 14, you know, I had ideas on how to play the game then. You know, so the player, whatever levels you're at, I suppose the players, it's it's um, specific for their level. If it's an under 14, the under 14 has an idea of how to play the under 14 game, you know, and that's the game they're playing. That's the game the coach is coaching. So I think it's just always, yeah. Mm.
1: I like that, you know, you think about the core elements of rugby, run, catch, pass and yeah. defend. But we as exploration fit in that? And how do we coach exploration? A lot of the times we run drills and our skills drills, and that's over and over again for a set situation. Uh, but uh, you know, we talk about decision-making, but what, you know, how, how do we define that? And what decisions are having to be made? You know, So you know, a lot of the times the decision to be made about do I get up after making a tackle, how do you coach that? You Know it's it, that that's that whole encouragement, giving them that purpose, giving them that why, um, giving them the ownership of the game, and you know, through that exploration piece, uh, you know, how's that look? Don't know, yeah, but it, it, it because of the variety that you can bring in with your group. But uh, I think that's the piece at times as coaches we miss out on because there's an element where we don't believe we can control it, so therefore, as the coach or head coach and, and we hear it here at rugby park that people saying actually this is the way it is because of of this is my experiences and i'll go well uh, yeah how much is that holding your potential back because you're limited by your experiences versus using your experiences as the foundation of your potential so yeah fascinating reflection yeah
0: and cool what you mentioned about the professional and it's not about getting paid money and two things i was taught on that was you have to become the person first and act like that person so say if you are a rugby player and you want to be a professional rugby player you don't wait till you get paid money to start living like a professional rugby player you start living like a professional rugby player and then you become it then it will happen and another one then say you've no i'm kind of thinking from a lens of you know a club rugby team like we were chatting yeah. about before and Say so there will be people who want that and great, you know, and they want to be that professional, so they need to start acting like it now, living like it now. But there will be people who don't want to be that. And those type of people or those people is another one I think of is discipline gives free discipline equals freedom. Jocko Willing talks about it. And it's worth it giving it your best in what in what you're doing. It's worth giving it your best, you know? It's worth um being professional in how you do things because it's more enjoyable that way versus if you're like even coaches for instance you know if you're coaching a a team you can half-ass it and you might never want to be a professional coach and you can half-ass it but you'll enjoy it more if you give it your all Mm -hmm. and if you're kind of you know meticulous give it your all and yeah you'll just get so much more out of it because it will just be so much more enjoyable because you've put that effort in Well, again, you know, we talked about DNA
1: and your environment. Every environment's got a structure, and as the coach, you are a key part of that structure. So therefore, you know, you talk about if that structure's the foundation of your performance for whatever time frame you're in. If you're not fully in it, then there's a component of that foundation that's a bit fragile. So, you know, that always makes me think, well, why? What's your sense of purpose in that? And a lot of that probably you relate it to to the performance of, of a community or a town. We've all got our different roles to play. Um, when you have a working bee, sometimes people turn up at that working bee and work their cotton socks off, you know, and um, it can be to their strength. Uh, you know, if you've got, you're moving dirt and someone's a, a digger driver, they step up um, because they're empowered to do so. So, you know, you put it into the context of our team, you know, how do we get our leaders to step up? How do we get our line out throwers to step up on on their core skill completion you know how do we get our nines uh to step up you know it every everybody's got an individual role in the community how do you get your, your manager to step up or your physio or well, whatever it is or you know you get your manager who's expected to be your physio in clubland sort of thing but when everybody steps up on that foundation of performance holy heck you know how good's that
0: mm. and it's going back and it's finding the why isn't it understanding why they're there why what they want to get out of it where they want to go and like I was saying before and it could be just to see their friends or to get fit or to whatever but it's it's understanding that so that you can help them fulfill that
1: and I think that's a big thing you know like you say coaching club for instance the games changed a little bit once upon a time you played it because everybody else in your your town did or or your community did and there was that real that that was your gathering point you know it was almost you know Mm. throughout history uh we've always gathered around the fire and that was kind of it you know and and to a certain extent it was you know I still remember the the fire was the the club room's bar Mm. you know that was our parents just gathered around there and you played outside and had a fantastic time it's changed now and people are not, not as connected to the game, but what we've got to be mindful of is not to continue to disconnect them because we feel they're disconnected. So as you've said it's it's actually acknowledging that everybody's got a different view on it but like you say the why needs to be a little bit deeper than uh, we want to win the championship or we want to um, beat the team down the road who are our traditional rivals. you know it, it's got to be a, the why's got to be a little bit more intrinsic. Um, because of the fact that when it is, it, it's there, it's it's unique to you, and again, when it's right, you get the chance to be the best version of you. And in, as we've said before, there's nothing better when the best version of you is in a collaborative sense. You know, when, when you're the best version of you and there's 25 other individuals involved in that, wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, 100%. And So yeah, it's like what you're saying, and I agree, it's um like people are rocking up like people are showing up and you need to essentially be grateful for that that they're wanting to show up and then versus in years gone by you just assumed they would show up and so you didn't need to be grateful because you just knew they'd always be there and so it's yeah it's like how can you how can you help them make have that that experience be better and how can you yeah like that's it find out their why and and how can you help them so that you create an environment then that people want to be a part of.
1: Absolutely, it's a little bit moths drawn to the lamp. But what is the lamp? Yeah, you know, because of the fact that just because we're holding our lamp doesn't mean that you know we're attracting them. And you know, I think that's that's the consideration, and and it's the challenge. It's not an easy thing, um, but it is so rewarding when when it you know is done well. And I think that's it for any any of the coaches that are listening in. Uh, you know that ability to connect um, and empower. Uh, The desire to to play for each other that's probably the most important piece not necessarily the the best attack shape and whether you run one three three one or talk about running square but run lateral you know whatever it is Mm. they're they're the things that you can sharpen up um, but it's about understand what are our connection? Thing, you know, do we do we train for two hours? Because if we do, what's the purpose in that? Or are we better to train for forty-five minutes? Or you know, and just be sharp. Include a huge amount of fun in it.
0: Um, yeah, just just explore. Hundred uh, percent. What have you made of the World Cup so far?
1: Wow, what a fantastic event! And. Probably the first World Cup in a long, long time where the quality of so many teams is is shown through. And, yeah, so looking forward to this weekend. And and if you're asked me to to pick who the winners will be, you know, the hardest one, obviously, I believe, is Ireland All Blacks. And it's a hard head. Uh, You know, the Irish are playing such a good standard of rugby, but it's what their belief is like at the moment. You know, Johnny Sexton talking about um, them being in situations that have challenged them emotively and put them under uh, pressure um, that they haven't encountered or haven't necessarily unpacked or, or looked to understand before. You know, they feel they're in a great place around that. So All Blacks are going to have to be at their absolute best to beat them. But as I say, I've just got a wee sense that, that you know this is the occasion when the All Blacks do turn into being their absolute best. I'm thinking South Africa is, is going to get up over France if uh, the game is allowed to be played at a pace uh, that can slow them down. And they if it's a power game, I think the South Africans will win it. Um, so, again, it'll be interesting to see you know, the dynamic of flair that the French are prepared to go to to break them up. Uh, yeah, and then the others, you know, who knows? It, it's, uh, you know, a Wales, Argentina... Pff, you know, Fiji, England. Fiji could quite easily beat England, but also they could quite easily be beaten by forty points. You know, and that is a fascination in itself. You know, Fiji have played so well when they've played well, but they've played horrendously when they've played poorly. And you know, where are they going to? Where are they going to be? Um, so yeah, loving it, loving it.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting the Fiji team, isn't it? Like getting up against Australia. And the way they played, like so smart and intelligent and composed, and and uh, then Georgia nearly should have lost nine nil down, and somehow found a way or just crept over, and then losing to Portugal, and it's um it's mad.
1: Interesting, you know. Once upon a time, or well, only one or two World Cups ago, you would have talked about Fiji want the game to be really unstructured. And then they're, you know, yeah. their individuals unbelievable. You know, can break open, you know, out of, out of out of chaos. You know, the order appears very quickly to them. But now it's almost the other way around. When they lose their structure, when they uh, uh, get into that individual element of the game, that's when they are looking more average. You know, they've they're well coached. This, uh, you know, um, via would we'll be doing a fantastic job on the analytical side of it and presenting some fantastic opportunities for them and then uh, the yeah just the dynamic of of the athletes i've got in their positions they're just you know big powerful humans that geez they can play um they've just got to get the the mix of those two components right you know the structure and the unstructured and seeing where it fits them in their current setting
0: yeah it's so true to say it. and it's funny like because Portugal are so unstructured, love watching them play. their class, like the crossfield kicks <laughs> from the back rowers and stuff. Because yeah, yeah. they see the space and Georgia then similarly like just were like frantic and like let's just play a million miles an hour and overwhelm them. And they kind of like overwhelmed yeah. Fiji. And it's yeah. like so different to what you're saying. It's it's funny they they've gotten to a point which is necessary. I think it is necessary Fiji to to want a kind of a. A structure to play off or want to control an element of control, and they looked frazzled when those teams brought that to them. Breakdown is you know,
1: it's been a breakdown dominant World Cup. If you break down, if you, if you get your breakdown roles right, mm. uh, you know, and, and you know, you and I had a, a discussion about width of pass and that first reception from Iraq. Uh, to engage defenders you know how wide that breakdown is and a lot of the teams still that are holding that width are finding um, they're not set in their breakdown roles mm-hmm. um, whereas Ireland tend to shorten it up a wee bit they get set so their breakdown's a little bit more efficient um, Argentina are the same they they are a little bit more narrow so therefore suddenly their, their tempo of their breakdown is I think the best out of the quarter finalists so you know I think uh, with Fiji as well, they've suddenly had to get their breakdown right. And when they don't, obviously their error and their, their capability to play in that little bit of untempered space in front of them um, gets
0: taken away and, and we've seen the result. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned Ireland All Blacks. Um, and it's interesting because Ireland, the last three years have just been, two years have been incredible and they're on this run and... They are, have been an incredible team and they've done things like they've won the series here and have continued to build but we've seen that in the last two World Cups they've gone into 15 and 19 as world number one I'm pretty sure haven't had good 18 months two years and they've imploded. I thought after the first game against Romania I was like wow they're they're on even mm. though it's Romania just the way they were dialed in I thought they were sharp they were doing the right things they were yeah in the moment <clears throat> and then tonga south africa like i called it that they beat south africa and but it's interesting in that nearly everything that's happened you can forget about because mm-hmm. now it's the quarter final and and we can't forget we can't pretend that there's not a thing there a hoodoo or whatever because it is and for Irish people listening to Mayo football so I'm from Gaelic football there's (laughs) one where we haven't won it for like 60 years the All-Ireland title and always top three like we're always one of the best but we just we get to finals just can't win Mm -hmm. and so it's really interesting and I suppose how did you find it year one when with the Crusaders seven years ago because you know you talk about stuff you 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 have these little wins along the way, but it comes to points where it's like you're going into a quarterfinal or a semi or whatever, and it's like you haven't done it. And yeah, I don't know how to do you. Well, really interesting in that, you know, like
1: you think that it, uh, we talk about that Focka Papa, that that history, that dynamic. You know, um, Crusaders are reasonably young, but their history has has got success threaded right through it. Mm. And you know, uh, across the whole time, we've we've been in playoff. Situations yeah. and sometimes in a final where a, a referee's decision or a moment just didn't go our way, we were that close to being successful, in a, you know, more so holding holding a couple more titles. Uh, 2017 was like a bit of a perfect storm in a way. Um, guys that had, had those experiences, had those frustrations, had those learnings. Uh, you know, we had well 12 to 15 All Blacks, and if you listed those All Blacks, they weren't just All Blacks; they were outstanding All Blacks. Uh, that were just about ready to, to ripen into into quality that high quality performance. And then uh, what um, Ray and and in the and the group did we brought a consistent micro energy in and it was just that little bit more enthusiasm uh, that just gave us you know they talk about the one percenters and that was it was it was just subtleties it was just some moments and you think in 2017 if Smith hadn't been sent off, uh, would we have been successful? And that could be what appears uh, for Ireland. You know, uh, the way that uh, the officials are working at the moment, it could be one moment uh, that somebody doesn't get right, that, you know, you think when All Blacks played South Africa a uh, few few weeks ago now, um, when Scooter um, got carded, it changed the dynamic of the game hugely. So is there a moment like that? And so, you know, as I say, in 2017, it was the subtleties... Um, it wasn't any massive shift, and it was a couple of moments that went our way rather than went against us um, in in the key games. And uh, yeah, you know, again, it was as as Alan had been talking up. It's it's a legacy that can be broken in one performance, and uh, you know, the resilient side of it is going to be a massive challenge about if they believe across that full. I guess, 100 minutes, you know, 20 minutes of warming up and 80 minutes of performance. If they truly believe that they can get there and hold there, then, you know, how good's it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be unreal. Yeah. And
0: it's true, like you say, like sport, sport is the unpredictable as well. Like there's, there's cards, there's bounces of balls and, you know, we can't you can't predict and that's why it's brilliant. But with the way teams, I think about two years ago, three years ago, what the All Blacks used to do was go with teams for 50 minutes and then blow them away and so like Ireland would come out when I was always growing up and give it everything they had and we'd kind of think geez at halftime we're in here we have a chance and then all blacks win by 30 and that would be the same with other teams you know the great all blacks teams they would do that with other nations and then I think Ireland a couple of years ago said we're going to start in fifth gear and then try and keep that throughout the game, so they did that and they were blowing teams away. And I think then other teams realized like you can't start at 80%, 90%. And international rugby, I think, kind of went to another level of intensity and and pace and energy. And then the All Blacks, at the start of the Rugby Championship, I thought did that. Like Argentina within the first 15 minutes was like, oh my word, like they scored three tries. They were just like, Mm. it was like, what? Mm. And then South Africa, the whole match, they did that as well. It was like they just started at this pace that was just outrageous. And I think that's become the blueprint, isn't it? That
1: yeah, absolutely. But I, I still go back to you look at breakdown efficiency uh, and breakdown mindset in that first 30-odd minutes where you're just yeah. going and, and your nines are so crucial, Getting making a, an early read and getting rid of ball. There's no opportunity for Ds to get set. Or yeah. set with quality, so therefore your offensive set was always, you know, when you talk about speed to set on both sides of the ball, uh, if your speed to set on attackers is, is superior to their speed to set D-wise, you've got the ability to make gain line and therefore stress, get guys turning in, disconnect, opportunity. And I think that's what we saw. But then as these teams have slowed uh, the ability of the All Blacks to dominate in that area from early on, it's meant it's become a real arm wrestle. And again, the analytical side of the game now is, is just so significant that you know, all the analysts would have been passing the information to coaches about what teams are doing to allow them to be successful. So you basically strategise as to how to suppress them and then challenge yourself around how you're going to kind of enhance your performance. So, you know, game of chess continues.
0: Yeah, it is going to be so interesting. Uh, one thing Ireland are good at as well is the set plays set piece plays and they've they kind of have them for the last five six years probably joe schmidt brought that in and um it's going to be yeah so interesting both i suppose every match but france africa as well and the ireland all blacks game because it will you know it's often a moment like that like some really good play that will unbreak it and the analysts obviously you'll be looking at it and then thinking oh well we've done this play for the last year or two so they'll think that we'll change it and bounce this way but then you'll have to think you know kind of double bluff like oh they'll be thinking that we'll go to this and then yeah
1: I'm, I'm loving the fact that Ireland are getting two touches on the ball in that pivot space as well and that causes a little bit mm-hmm. of uncertainty suddenly there's just a hesitation on D and if you can get that defensive weight just to regress back onto heel slightly you've got, got a chance uh, and that's a wee point of difference in their game. And then other teams are exploring, you know, from line-out uh, work as to where the advantage is and uh, having that plus, that, that loose forward um, playing or, or your hooker playing in that, in that space just at the back of a line-out and getting guys running in. You know, our key runs hard and through there. Um, yeah, is, and, and teams you, you will have conversations here around what the uh, analysts are seeing In that space as well. And it's the ability to look at uh, percentages over short distances, fractions of meters, comes back to, I think, win the inches, win the yards sort of mindset. You know, early on, it might, you've got to work hard to win that short space. And then through that effort, the last 20 minutes would reward. Whereas, you know, you think you're talking before around um, ability in that last 20 to overrun the physical preparation of these athletes has grown significantly, you know. uh, And I think every World Cup cycle you're seeing a different athlete type Mm. and it's some subtleties, but man alive, you know, there's there's some incredible large uh, athletes out there who could wear any number on their back, you know, whereas in the past, you know, yeah, it hasn't quite been like that, yeah. We love it, don't we?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And last one, the trip to Ireland in the New Year.
1: Yeah, can't uh, wait. Yeah. Actually, and again, I think we've underestimated a little bit around um, the the interest factor. Uh, you think that that I think when it was first proposed, uh, we were playing Munster and Limerick, and then uh, when it got out there, it basically sold. So now we're off to Cork, and it's sold out. Um, as well, and, uh, you know, again, it's it's going to be an outstanding adventure. Um, we're going a little bit into unknown for Crusaders, uh, but, again, it's such an opportunity to connect the rugby world, and, you know, there'll be a fantastic mindset around the occasion itself. Um, it'll be interesting how both parties turn up around, you know, how important is it to win, but both environments... Will be driven by the importance <laughs> to win because we're highly competitive and we do know uh, the status of both groups. So um, really looking forward to getting across and yeah immersing in that and then obviously popping over to Bristol uh, a little bit later. So yeah, I'm, I'm sneaking across there mid-November just to meet some people and spend a bit of time at Munster and then also pop across and spend a day at Bristol too. So yeah, exciting
0: class so what you're going over to kind of I suppose see how things will be on the ground for when you go there in the new year
1: yeah basically it's, it's a wee fascination around you know um, conversations over the year are um, stru- you know, we've structured and we've booked and we've set it up in consistency with other touring groups but you know the other touring groups you know are they like us I'm not, I don't know and what I don't want is for our group we're taking 50, minimum of 50 across. So we've got uh, the stage uh, 36 to 38 players, group of management. So it's a it's a big old uh, school camp yeah. to take across there and then suddenly find that, you know, the bus doesn't depart from here, it departs a kilometre down the road. Or, you know, when you go out onto a, a training field, which has been great for a certain touring party, isn't um, sufficient or efficient. You know, the, the, the structures and set-ups of the gyms... Um, you know, just just meeting liaison people a lot. You know, for us to go from NZ across to the for two weeks logistically is huge. So around uh, gear and equipment and how we can have relationships over there, yeah, it's all all pretty important.
0: That's wild, and that's your job to organise yeah. all that. Yeah.
1: but it's good. They're, you know, like fantastic people over there, and and uh, Munster have been outstanding and supporting us, and I you know, really look forward just getting across and meeting the human and and, uh, you know, or, or rather than just the email, so you're actually getting to know the person and, and uh, yeah, just probably enjoying a Guinness
0: or two. Yeah, it's going to be epic, that game, in Porky Quive, and so, I probably have an idea of the background, but, like, in Ireland, Gaelic football is our number one sport, and so, a bit different, but when England played Ireland in 07, 08 in Crow Park, remember when the Lands and Rose being done, up? we went to Crow Park, it was, like, huge, and there's more to that because England, Ireland, and uh, colonization and stuff yep, and yep. that, but but playing in a Gaelic stadium was very significant and poignant for rugby people and and to go to Crow Park to play rugby was like massive, yeah. massive. Like even against France, like I remember being there and it was just like, fuck, like this is mad. Yeah. And then I remember watching the game when Munster played the first game in Portreequeve, like I think you have had forty four thousand or four, it's forty plus, is, yeah. Yeah. and it's like, it's probably the second most top three, you know, behind Crow Park, but it's it's very historical, Porky Queeve, yeah. and just yeah, there's something about it that's that's like just huge for to be able to go there for rugby, and I, I think I could be wrong, but you hear Zombie when it's played after the Ireland games now, I think that could be wrong but the first time that was done was in Porky Cueve when Munster played there the last time yeah and that then became has become a an anthem and has become wow more so Ireland then have adopted so Munster then adopted it Mm -hmm. because it used to be stand up and fight they used to have them then anyway um it's kind of like Dolores O'Riordan died and then now that's zombies played there and now it's this thing and it's it's you see these videos of after the game and yeah. like people singing it's like become this big thing so that'll be incredible that game oh uh, you know
1: in comparison uh what are we apollo project stadium mm. in comparison to over there uh, again that's it'll be one of those extremely special moments that yeah we've we've we're privileged uh, to experience and yeah can't wait wow yeah, yeah good unreal and so yeah. when does uh preseason start uh players are in for screening on 30th november and then we basically have a bit of a connection day. They do a Bronco on on the 1st of December, uh, in for two weeks, which is less than other groups. Uh, I think the Blues and, crikey, might be Moana, not sure, Highlanders, but I think they come in on about the 21st or 24th or whatever it is of November, and then they'll go a little bit tighter to Christmas, potentially. But we, what we want is get what we need into the, into the group, freshen them up, come back in January and
0: here we go. Cheers for listening into to the pod today. If you're new to the pod, welcome. Be sure to check out some earlier episodes and subscribe wherever you're listening so that you get the new episodes when they're released. In my mid-twenties, I began studying the mind and that led me to playing the best rugby in my life and enjoying it so much all the time, like regardless of results. Whereas when I was younger, there were highs and lows and it felt uncertain, like I was on a roller coaster. But then when I began developing and harnessing my mind, it felt like I'd absolutely cracked the code. Now I work one-on-one with players and yes, I help you overcome challenges and we do mental skills work so that you can consistently perform at your peak but I also help you expand your mind and grow as a person. You know the way you often feel like you have more in you, you have more to express, you have more to bring, and it kind of gets frustrating when, yes, you're getting some results, but you know you have more inside you. I help you bring that out. Every single player that I've worked with one-on-one for over 12 months has made a team that they didn't think they could make in that time and or signed a new increase contract that way more than covered the investment that they made in themselves for the one-on-one coaching. If you're a player or coach and would like to learn more, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book your free 30-minute Zoom consultation with me. Through this podcast, I want to help millions of people live happier, more fulfilled, and more successful lives because I absolutely know that it's possible. If you want to be an absolute legend now and help me out, there's three things you can do. First is to share the pod. You can send it on some friends, share it on social media, and simply just tell people about it. Second, you can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. On Apple Podcasts, when you click into the pod, you can scroll down and there's an option to leave a review and up to a five-star rating. And on Spotify, when you click into the pod, on the left-hand side, you'll see a little star. You can click on that and then leave up to a five-star rating again. And third thing, lastly, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Those three things, sharing the pod, leaving a rating and a review, and subscribing really, really helped the podcast grow. Helps us help more people, so thank you so, so much. Please connect with me over on social media. Instagram is at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby. LinkedIn is Brian Moylet, and any thoughts, questions, feedback, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Thanks a mil for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. Be good to yourself, get after it, and I will see you next week. Cheers.